0: And let's be real, like I guess when we're looking at our skin, if we have terrible skin, for example, and we want to use collagen to improve our skin, are there other things that we can do to improve our skin health? are we wearing sunscreen are we moisturizing are we eating enough are we eating enough good products like you know unsaturated fats which help our skin are we having enough water throughout the day all those sorts of things are much more likely to improve our skin elasticity hydration all that sort of stuff than just opting for a really expensive collagen powder that we have not much evidence behind
1: and I'm on Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, I speak with dietitian Alice Bleefman about some of the biggest food trends circulating at the moment and whether or not they're actually good for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to subscribe or click follow, leave a review, and share it with your friends. If you haven't already, you can come find us on Instagram at the Wow Podcast underscore. Hi, Alice. Welcome to the Wow Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Absolute pleasure, Georgina. Thank you for having me.
1: So the first question I ask all my guests is if you could share a little bit about yourself.
0: This is a big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I am a accredited practicing dietitian in Sydney, Um, I work for a company called uh, Gut Started, which is just a a small nutrition business kind of trying to pave the way in the nutrition industry to do it a little bit different. Um, I am an active person. I grew up in Tassie um, and I grew up in a fairly big family, Um, always been loving the outdoors, loving nature, always had Quite a curious um, mind. I've always just questioned things, um, and I think that's done me the world of good. Now being a dietitian, it's pretty much you question everything, <laughs> especially these days with social media and and all that bollocks um, that's online. But yeah, like that's basically who I am. I um, absolutely love um, talking to people and sharing stories, but I also like um, and appreciate my own time as well. And just chilling out and reading books and writing and singing and just doing crazy stuff um, and trying to enjoy life as well. Um, But, yeah, that's basically just a summary of who I am.
1: That's a really nice, like, well-rounded response, to be honest. Like, I think that's really... It's really beautiful that you live such a full life and you're very aware of everything around you. I know we're laughing before we came on to the recording that today we're both, we're both hot messes. <laughs> um, yeah. <absolutely>. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just completely normal when you're a female in your 20s. It, it just seems to be a constant ebbing and flowing of um, chaos and then calmness. But, this is why I'm really excited to talk to you today because I think one thing that causes the biggest chaos in our 20s is food. Like food becomes mm. such this thing that we feel like we obviously we need it to survive but I think we start being like questioning all those things like, okay my mum fed me roll-ups when I was in primary school and I love them but like maybe they're not so healthy for me and maybe I shouldn't just be eating roll-ups or like surviving off like KFC you know I think we start to look at our nutrition a little bit more carefully and with the rise of social media and influences we get really scooped up into this world of like what is real and what isn't there's so many different trends out there that people are selling us but like are they good for us are they not so I'm really excited to hear your perspective from a dietitian.
0: Yeah, you made some good points there, Georgina. And, like, I completely agree with everything you just said. It's so confusing and I'm confused sometimes. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I think um, it's really great that you've kind of sought out a dietitian or someone who's a bit more well-versed in the nutrition nutrition space because it is very confusing. And, um, yeah, I don't think it needs to be, to be completely honest. Mm. So –
1: the first big question I want to ask you, which is probably heavily loaded, but can we trust marketing messages on food products? Cause I feel like I can't believe anything these days.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it kills me that you, you say that like you can't believe anything these days because it's somewhat true. Like what is true these days you know is this influencer is she or he just promoting it because they get paid for it or is it actually believable or is it true and i guess with marketing like there's certain things on food that are regulated so for example certain health claims that need to be i guess um in line with a certain criteria to be to have that health claim on them or that nutrition content claim we call it so for example if a food has a phrase like high fibre, it needs to sit, fit a certain criteria. So it needs to have a certain number of grams of fibre per serve. If something's classified as high in calcium, then it needs to have a certain number of milligrams of calcium. If something has a claim that says might um, help with osteoporosis, then it has to have a certain number of you know milligrams of calcium. That we can trust because that's run by a certain regulation regulatory company um, or or, um, a board known as uh, the Food Standards Australia New Zealand. What we can't necessarily trust is things like I don't know, is it organic? It detoxes you, cleanses you, all those kind of those new and upcoming sort of. Very much saturated terms that are used. The, the quite buzzwords
1: words, like natural. Yeah, buzzwords. Everything's natural. got natural slapped on it, but that means yeah, nothing.
0: It means nothing. That's exactly right, and people can use them willy nilly, um, and that's things that you can't really look at and 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 understand or 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 kind of take it as gospel because it's not. Um, so can we trust marketing messages to an extent? Um, but I would definitely recommend being a bit more critical with a lot of them because unfortunately they don't really mean a hell of a lot most of the time so
1: the next thing is what what are your top things that you look for when you're buying food in a supermarket
0: yeah so it's a good question because I guess it depends on as to what I'm looking for and like my intention behind buying certain foods so I am blessed that I don't have any sort of chronic health conditions, you know, I don't have celiac disease, I don't have any allergies, I don't have diabetes, so there's nothing really that I need to look out for particularly, so for example, if I had celiac disease, I'd look for gluten. Um, if I had diabetes, I'd look for carbohydrates. But as a you know relatively healthy individual, what I'm kind of looking for is just general, you know, good ingredients. So looking at the ingredients panel on the back and looking at, you know, what's this made up of largely? Is it made up of whole foods? So, you know, your fruits, your vegetables, your good sorts of grains and things like that. And then what is the fiber content specifically? Um, I look at fiber because that's really important for our gut health. It's good for keeping us full and all that sort of thing. Other things I look for is, for example, if the product is fortified, which essentially just means it hasn't been got like vitamins and minerals added into it so if i'm looking for a bread is it fortified with iodine and folate if i'm looking for a plant-based milk is it fortified with calcium so so do we
1: do we want things to be fortified
0: correct we do want things to be fortified which is i guess when people say oh don't have things with added stuff in them it's like that's good sometimes sometimes it's great to have added calcium or added vitamin b12 and things like that in a food a lot of organic foods particularly don't have things added into them which yes it does serve them to an extent but for things like plant-based milk if it's organic generally speaking it wouldn't have added calcium in them and we need that particularly if we're relying on plant-based milks for our calcium levels so or our calcium intake so I look for that. I also look for things like saturated fat and salt, um, because that's super important for me. Um, not having a high intake of saturated fat and also not having a high intake of salt as well. But generally speaking, I look at the ingredients list first and foremost.
1: Okay. So touching on, I have a few questions about what you just said. Firstly, fortified, um, additives, uh, are we looking, are they going to be like, where are we looking for the term fortified? Is that in the ingredient list? Is that whereabouts? Will that be on the packaging?
0: Really good question. So what I mean by fortified is things that are added with, um, with vitamins or minerals. So calcium, vitamin B12, iodine, folate, those sort of good vitamins and minerals. Other things that are added to products are like, things like um, emulsifiers or preservatives and things like that those are the things we don't necessarily want they really really help some products to kind of keep shelf stable and they're absolutely fine for us but they're not things that we want to like look out for to buy products with them so the fortified um, products so things like plant-based milks breads, cereal products, they generally have things like vitamin B12 added into them and calcium and iodine and iron. How we know whether they've got um, vitamins and minerals added into them is actually just having a look at the ingredients list and checking it out and seeing. all right, does this actually have calcium added into it or iron added into it? If it does, it will literally have that listed in the ingredients list. So for example, if you're wanting to know whether your almond milk has calcium added into it, it's generally in the form of calcium phosphate or calcium carbonate. If you're not sure, you can take it a level further and look at the nutrition information panel, which is where you find things like energy, protein, carbs, and it always has to have listed the vitamin and mineral that's been added into it. So, for example, on the almond milk, if you were having a look at the nutrition information panel, it would have calcium listed and the amount of calcium in the serve the product.
1: Okay. And how do we know if something has like a good serving of fibre or not? You are touching on fibre being one of the nutrients that you like to look for in, in foods. What yeah. is something, what should we be looking out for in terms of the amount? Because obviously it's it's really hard to gauge if something's high in fibre
0: or not. That's right, exactly, and really, really good question. So, there's sort of like ballparky kind of figures that we want to aim for when we're looking at a food. But at the end of the day, it also depends on like how often you have that food, what you're comparing it to, all that sort of stuff as well. So, generally speaking, if we're looking at a product, even if we're not looking at the actual grams of fiber, is the product you know full of whole grains? Is the product, you know, um, reduced or doesn't have much like refined carbohydrates in it? That's sort of the first thing I would look at. You know, for example, if we're comparing two breads, which one has more whole grains and fewer refined carbohydrates than the other one? If you're looking, I guess, and you're wanting to know about certain grain, uh, certain grams, generally speaking, three grams of fiber per serve is a good figure. Okay. So, for example, if we were looking at a product like a muesli bar, have a look at the nutrition information panel. How much fiber does it have per muesli bar? If it's about three or more, brilliant. That's awesome. Obviously, if you're having a yogurt, you're not going to have much fiber in that yogurt. That doesn't mean that the yogurt's bad. It just means, all right, well, we have to probably get our fiber from other sources, like vegetables, fruits, maybe adding some fiber on through nuts and seeds as well. Yeah, the saturated fat, so um, that's really important to look out for as well, particularly if you have, you know, predisposition for things like heart disease and high cholesterol and hypertension. The levels we want to look out for is about 3 grams per 100 grams tops, so 3 grams of saturated fat for 100 grams of the product. Um, Obviously, there's going to be some products that are higher in saturated fat, for example, yogurt over Um, a muesli bar, generally speaking, but ballpark figure, three grams per hundred grams of product.
1: Right. It's really interesting because I feel like a lot of us just look at the, the fat label on the nutritional panel and see it so high and go, oh my God, why is this healthy product so high in fats? But then there's good fats. And then there's bad fats.
0: So there's, I guess there's two types of, or or categories of fats. We've got saturated fat and we've got unsaturated fat. Now saturated fat, we know a diet high in saturated fats, not terribly great for us. That causes things like um, what we know as atherosclerosis, which is basically like the thickening of our arteries. And that can cause things like heart disease, hypertension and other kind of chronic conditions like that. So we wanna limit our saturated fat content. We also want to up, generally speaking, our unsaturated fat content so, of food. So unsaturated fats divided into two thing, two categories, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. So they're the fats that we kind of really want to utilize and up in our diet. A lot of the time on the nutrition information panel on foods, we've got fat and then we've got saturated fat. Sometimes it also lists, lists mono and polyunsaturated fat. Um, but most of the time, it's just saturated fat. So, if you have a product, for example, that's 10 grams of fat per 100 grams and three grams of saturated fat, it just basically means that there's six grams, oh, sorry, nine grams, like seven grams <laughs> of unsaturated fat. I cannot do math today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's all right. This is our frazzled brains we speaking about before. Yes,
0: honestly.
1: <laughs> um, So I actually have some listener questions that have been sent in and there's a few of different ones that I would love to ask you. The first one is um, one that I can really, really relate to and it's from Ruby and she wants to know about collagen. Is it really that amazing for hair, skin and nails and everything else it claims and should we be taking it?
0: So collagen, what collagen is, it's a, a type of protein and so we as a human race (laughs) store collagen in things like hair skin and nails and as we age the our ability to i guess um store and make this collagen decreases and so i guess that's what the marketing kind of um goes behind it is all right well as we age we reduce the production of collagen so we need to supplement it and that's kind of the theory behind collagen supplementing There is a bit of research behind, I guess, um, supplementing collagen and improving skin elasticity. Unfortunately, that's where it stops. So there's not much research to support anything else in that manner. Um, There's nothing to do with gut health, nothing to do with um, kind of hair or anything like that. Skin elasticity is where it stops. Some kind of prelim research in rheumatoid arthritis. Um, the interesting thing about collagen is if, for example, you're having, you know, um, collagen in your smoothies, if your our body doesn't, our body doesn't kind of, If you eat collagen through a powder, for example, our body doesn't translate that collagen that you've eaten straight into the collagen in our skin or our bones or our hair or our nails. It is literally broken down into amino acids and then utilised in the body however they need to be utilised. Whether that be through collagen, whether that be through other means like building muscle, we don't necessarily eat collagen and that doesn't translate into collagen in our body. So... Collagen isn't essential, and I don't actually think it's terribly superior over other sources of protein. What I will say though is, if you are using collagen as like a post-workout kind of um, supplement, it's definitely not superior in terms of muscle muscle synthesis and muscle rebuilding. So please do not use collagen as a as a pro- post-protein shake because it's not better. In fact it's much worse. Um it's just not as bioavailable and not as quickly in terms of you know synthesizing muscles. So yeah, I don't think if if you want, give it a go. If you think that, you know, it will help you with your skin. Um but don't use it as, you know, <sighs> something to rely on. Um I yeah, it's just a, a huge marketing bit of a gimmick.
1: Yes. Like all things, like a powder is not going to make you beautiful. It's not going to change you completely, but it might help here and there with a few little bits and pieces. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And let's be real. Like, I guess when we're looking at our skin, if we have terrible skin, for example, and we want to use collagen to improve our skin, are there other things that we can do to improve our skin health? are we wearing sunscreen? Are we moisturizing? Are we eating enough? Are we eating enough good products like you know unsaturated fats, which help our skin? Are we having enough water throughout the day? All those sorts of things are much more likely to improve our skin, elasticity, hydration, all that sort of stuff than just opting for a really expensive collagen powder that we have not much evidence behind.
1: Yeah, right. Emily wants to know what is it about processed foods that is so bad? Is yeah, it bad or are they actually okay? <laughs>
0: so, I mean, they are okay in moderation. Processed mm. foods are delicious, you know. I love a burger. I love hot chips. But if you, you have them every- <laughs> If you have them every day and if you have them as, you know, if they fill up a large proportion of your food that you have throughout the day, then definitely not. They are definitely not that great for us. So processed foods in general are higher in salt, are higher in saturated fats, higher in sugar, and are just higher in calories altogether. Now, if we kind of put that on the table, that's not terribly great for us. What they also are, and they're lower in vitamins and minerals and that's because they're just more processed. Now, processed foods are, you know, you've got your canned veggies, you've got your frozen veggies, you've got, you know, great things that are processed. But then you've also got highly processed and highly refined foods that aren't great for us. So the reason why they're bad is essentially, I mean, bad, I'm using quotation marks, but like the reason why I guess they shouldn't make up a large proportion of your food intake throughout the day is because they just don't really give us hell of a lot, except a little bit of happiness and a little bit of, you know, taste here and there. Mm,
1: mm, Okay. And Michelle would like to know, is pea protein powder actually good for you?
0: Yeah. So pea protein powder is um, a vegan protein. So I think pea protein powder is absolutely fine. In terms of its effectiveness in building muscles and I guess um, helping with the recovery of muscles, It's not as superior as a whey protein. So like a a cow's milk or a, a dairy milk protein. And the reason why it's just not as bioavailable. So our body doesn't digest it as readily. If you are sensitive to lactose or if you are vegan, a pea protein is absolutely fine. What I would suggest though is... In terms of opting for a vegan protein, try and look for one that is a combination of a couple of different types of protein. So for example, pea and brown rice or pea and hemp. The reason why is it helps with, I guess, establishing um, or creating a more complete protein, which is better utilized in the body to help rebuild muscles and synthesize muscle cells. So yeah, I would say that pea protein is absolutely fine. Generally speaking, Taste-wise, a lot of people find that pea protein is a bit gritty and it's, I guess, less nice than a whey protein or a whey protein isolate or concentrate. But, yeah, from a health perspective, it's generally okay.
1: And then Mags would like to know, uh, good foods for people with thyroid issues. Could you name your top
0: five foods Mm -hmm. that you'd recommend? To be honest, I... It depends on the thyroid issue and i i, I feel like i'm I, i'm honestly i'm not confident in saying there's certain foods that will help with thyroid because it depends on why your thyroid is you know is not good so if your thyroid is out of whack because you're super super stressed then the best foods are you know whole foods probably lower in refined carbohydrates to keep your blood sugar levels under control better sources of protein, all that sort of stuff. If your thyroid is all, you know, out of whack because of, I don't know, genetics, then food's not going to help it. Yes, having a whole food diet and, you know, largely plant-based and all that stuff will definitely help with your health, but from a thyroid perspective, there's nothing, like, there's no magic food that's going to help your thyroid because it's a genetic condition. You need medication for that. So, Overall, I need to know like the kind of details as to why the thyroid is out of whack. Um, but yeah, there's no certain, you know, cutting out gluten, cutting out dairy, all that sort of stuff is absolute BS. It's not going to help with your thyroid.
1: Okay, fantastic. Well, this kind of leads perfectly into my next question for you, Alice, which is what's the go with gluten and dairy? People are just throwing them out of their diet left, right and centre and it seems to be the new best thing to do, which is to just cut it out and everyone seems to be on that bandwagon. But is it any better for our health?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's, just, it's sort of like it's a new thing, isn't it? Like gluten, dairy-free, like, yeah. you know, it's um yeah they're being brandished as if it's the toxic kind of thing that's in our diet when really like unless you're celiac which is essentially like a um a autoimmune reaction to gluten there's no reason as to why you should avoid it in saying that if you feel like from a digestive perspective you're better off avoiding gluten and you feel like lighter and you're not getting as bloated and things, then avoiding gluten is probably a good option. You know, there are some studies to suggest that there are people who are what we call non-celiac gluten sensitive. So people who are not celiac but also are quite sensitive to gluten. But for the general population who don't react to gluten, avoiding it is Probably doing us more harm than good because we need to remember, gluten isn't the devil. It's not an inflammatory food for most people. So if you're having, you know, a, an abundance of carbohydrates through, I don't know, breads, cereals, oats, which generally contain gluten or traces of gluten, you're doing yourself a really good favor because a huge, you know, benefit in in eating those those foods like B12 folate you know um fiber all that sort of thing so generally speaking a gluten-free diet is just a marketing ploy and unless you feel like you react to gluten from either a digestive perspective or you know brain fog or anything like that you don't need to be avoiding gluten at all um Dairy is another thing that people avoid. Um, And the reason why is kind of, I don't really know, to be honest. I think some people avoid dairy because they think it triggers inflammation in the body. I don't really know. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, to be honest, it doesn't. So there was a recent meta-analysis done, which is essentially just a huge study of all the different studies that have been done on dairy, and the, the result of the meta-analysis was that dairy is not an inflammatory food or drink. It is, um, in fact, more neutral. So it doesn't cause inflammation. It doesn't really prevent inflammation. It's just kind of like there. We know that dairy is really, really great in calcium. It's really high in protein. It's really high in all these vitamins and minerals that we need, and we need to replace the dairy with other sources if we are cutting it out. There's some evidence to suggest that dairy is, you know, somewhat a catalyst for acne, um, cystic acne, and things like that. And so, if you feel like cutting out dairy is really good for your skin, absolutely cut out dairy. But cutting out dairy gun ho isn't going to do anything any benefits to your diet and you need to be cautious. Cutting out dairies also means you're cutting out calcium from your diet. You're cutting out some protein sources from your diet all these sorts of things that we need. So if you are cutting out gluten, if you are cutting out dairy, absolutely go for it. Like I'm not stopping you, but please make sure that you're doing it in the right way and you're supplementing with other things, not necessarily through supplements, but, you know, you're supplementing your oats with another source of fibre or whole grains. You're supplementing your dairy with another source of calcium like your fortified almond milk or, you know, like, A whole bunch of almonds or canned salmon it's really important because cutting out things we don't want to be cutting out things we need a variety of foods in our diet so yeah essentially the evidence it just doesn't support what people are doing
1: it'd be interesting to see how many people are having a placebo effect to coming off it just with the marketing messages that are being driven in in on online like I would love to. It'll be interesting to see what comes out in the next 10 years with all of that that's taken place. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. So I want to know what you feel about carbs. I feel like mm. there's a lot of replacement products hitting the shelves and that yeah. a lot of marketing messages are telling us, like, the healthier option is to switch out your pasta for zoodles, like zucchini yeah. noodles, or, yeah. you know, don't eat rice, eat cauliflower rice. Um, mm. Like, is this... Is this dangerous messaging or is this like legit probably a healthier option?
0: Sure. So carbohydrates are seen by a lot of people as like the devil. And like the clients, you know, a lot of my clients come in and like, I've oh, been good. Like I haven't been eating carbs. And I, and I I often question, I'm like, why do you think carbs are bad? Like I'm literally like genuinely curious like why are we being told that carbohydrates are bad I honestly don't understand why people think carbohydrates are bad I mean I get at media and things but like at the end of the day carbohydrates are really important for us really important for us carbohydrates are vegetables carbohydrates are fruits carbohydrates are rice and and cereals and potatoes and breads like which are really important for us so cutting out carbs isn't good for us In saying that, when you cut out carbs, you're also cutting out a couple of other things. So for example, if you are on a lower carbohydrate diet, you're probably going to be cutting out the pizza you're having on a Friday night. You're probably going to cut out the hamburgers you have on a Sunday afternoon, which probably is a good thing. So yes, cutting out carb could incidentally improve your health. If you are replacing your carbohydrates um, with... uh, I'm going to rephrase that. Carb replacement products have a place, but it depends on your goals. So for example, the zoodle, so which is essentially like zucchini noodles. If you're having them instead of pasta, fabulous, you're increasing your veggies. Awesome, that's always a good thing. But what's your goal? If your goal is to improve and increase your vegetable intake, then absolutely having zucchini noodles is a great idea. If your goal is to lose weight, absolutely zucchini noodles are a great idea they're going to be lower in calories because they're a vegetable versus carbohydrate you know whole grain if your goal is just to improve your health i wouldn't necessarily say that zucchini noodles are gonna drastically improve your health i think you know having grains and carbohydrates are fine and having pasta is fine i guess it just depends on your goal like and if i'm honest like a lot of the time, these replacement carbohydrate things like cauliflower rice, they are expensive. Like they are so expensive. So have the rice and see if there's any other ways you can improve your diet through having cauliflower on the side instead. But yeah, it's um, it's tough. Essentially, carbohydrates aren't the devil. They're absolutely fine for us. They're absolutely amazing. They contain B12, folate, fiber, iron zinc things that we need um if you're replacing them with zoodles or cauliflower rice or whatever it may be that's not a bad thing per se you know you're getting your veggies in but yeah i um i don't think it's gonna yeah make a drastic difference and it costs like an arm and a leg as well so i don't know
1: just who's the real winner (laughs) i'm gonna go with me who eats pasta
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is so okay. cheap. And mm. you know what? Like the pasta thing, like, why don't you just have the pasta and then pop in some zucchini, extra zucchini? Like Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Why not have just both? <laughs> yeah, why not have both? What's that Mexican um ad? Um Yeah,
1: the you know, we know the one, the taco ad. Yeah, the one. The one, you know. Cause it, yeah. I, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel embarrassed because I can't even think of the name either, but El, El Paso or something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we know the one we're both talking about plant-based diets. Uh, could you share with us your pros and cons to going on a plant-based diet? I feel, I feel like as we all are shifting, into this sustainably conscious mindset where we're realizing, you know, global warming is having a massive impact and we want to be more conscious of our impact on the world. We are making a shift to eating more plant-based foods. Um, What are the pros and cons that come with this? Yeah.
0: So recently there's been a lot of evidence to support a plant-based diet in terms of health benefits and in terms of ethics and also environment. So plant-based diets are probably the one of the best diets you can follow in terms of improving your health. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disclaim that by saying it needs to be well thought out and it needs to be balanced. So what I mean by that is a plant-based diet is different to a vegan diet. A vegan diet doesn't necessarily have to be full of plants. A vegan diet could literally just be two-minute noodles and Oreos. That's not a plant-based diet. So a plant-based diet is what's healthy. A vegan diet isn't necessarily healthy. So the pros of a vegan diet are huge. So what you are, I mean, sorry, a plant-based diet. So what you're eating on a plant-based diet is plants. You're eating fiber, which is super good for our gut, super good for our cholesterol levels, super good for our weight. We're eating vitamins, we're eating minerals, we're reducing red meat, which we know is a carcinogenic or cancer-causing substance. So we're reducing that. We're also improving the planet's health. We're improving the animal's health. So many benefits from that. In terms of cons, there are a few. So planning, we need to be cautious. We need to plan. We need to make sure, okay, we're not having dairy anymore. We need to replace our calcium. We're not having B12 anymore. We need to supplement with B12. We're not having as much iron necessarily. So we need to be more cautious. We need to make sure we're getting enough beans and legumes and soy to make sure we're getting enough iron. Protein-wise, sometimes people find it hard getting enough protein on a vegan diet. So, making sure we're getting good sources of protein from a vegan diet, um, from a plant-based diet. So, plant-based sources like tofu, like soy milk, like um, beans and legumes, all that sort of stuff. So, that could be a con for some people because it generally is not, I guess, um, as habitual as, for example, just a meat eater kind of diet. Also, what I would say is sometimes it's not suitable. Sometimes a plant-based diet isn't suitable for a person. So, for example, if you've got terrible digestion and you feel like you're very sensitive to fibre, having a, being on a plant-based diet isn't always the best option. Sometimes you need a little bit of egg or meat or dairy in your diet to help with that. If you needed to put on weight, sometimes being on a vegan uh, plant-based diet isn't necessarily the best thing for you. If you want to put on weight, sometimes you need to be having some meat, sometimes you need to be having some dairy and eggs because eating a lot of, you know, plants, you need to be eating a lot of plants to put on weight. So, yeah, that's another thing. Also things like allergies and intolerances. If you have an allergy or intolerance to beans and legumes, you're not going to be eating a good balanced vegan uh, plant-based diet at all because you need those beans, you need those legumes for protein, you need it for iron, you need it for um, zinc all those sorts of things so if you're allergic to beans and legumes I would definitely not recommend a plant-based diet the other thing is it could be also quite expensive if not done properly it the a plant-based diet is relatively cheap but you could also have a very expensive plant-based diet and eat you know all these organic and um, um, fake meats and all that sort of stuff as well so yeah but yeah it's I don't think it's a trend. I think it's definitely here to stay.
1: Yeah, no, that's good to know. And um with the plant-based diet and talking about getting everything you need and being really careful about that. If you can't afford to go see a nutritionist or a dietitian to help you on that journey, how many different plants sh- should we try to be consuming um in our diet like per week, for example? Should we be looking at trying to get in like 10 different plants, 30, 40? to make sure we're yeah. getting a variety or
0: definitely a variety is key um a variety is key for a number of reasons but generally speaking I would say a ballpark aim for about 30 and see how you go ideally like a hundred different plants a week but not most people in today's society I'm going to get that so 30 a week and when we say plants we also mean things like herbs and spices it's not just you know Oats and chickpeas and black beans, like plants, also include herbs and spices. So looking at that as well, and I guess I I, I kind of like with a, a few of my clients like seeing you know a bit of a challenge. So like, all right, let this week write down all the different plants we've had, and it can get kind of exciting, and then you kind of get competitive with each other, and 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 that's a bit of fun. But I think if you are looking at you know um transitioning into a plant-based diet think about diversity as one also there's also three other things that i need uh, that i oft often suggest um, my clients to look out for the first thing is b12 which is a vi- uh, with vitamin and that is generally not present in plant-based foods but we need b12 we so need to make sure you're supplementing with b12 another thing is iron now iron is Um, present in plant-based foods. However, it's in the form of what we call a non-heme iron. So it's not as readily available as the other sort of iron, which is in animal products, heme iron we call it. So we need to be having about twice as much iron as a plant-based eater compared to a animal-based eater. So having a look at iron-rich sources, so for example, legumes, beans, nuts, seeds, spinach, being sure we're getting enough iron through them is super important. And the last thing I'll say is calcium. Now, thankfully, a lot of milks and yogurts and things like that are fortified with calcium these days. So I guess just making sure that you are having another, another a source of calcium in your diet, whether that be through fortified products or through naturally containing products like almonds and broccoli and kale. So those are the three sort of things i go all right right. Let's make sure you're getting this before we go on
1: yeah so coming to the end of our podcast episode alice i would like to know if you have a motto or quote when it
0: comes to eating well i do i do i think well it's not really i'm not gonna i'm gonna um yeah i'm not gonna say this very well but essentially <laughs> What we want to do is we we want to focus on the big daily habits rather than the one percenters. Like I was talking about before, you know, why are we opting for all these supplements? Why don't we look at the big, you know, the big daily habits, getting your veggies in, getting your fruits in, getting your whole grains in rather than going, all right, I'm going to go have this powder. For example, getting enough sleep exercising, moving enough, all those sorts of things that we know will have a benefit rather than going straight to the expensive powders or the expensive supplements. Look at the big stuff before we start looking at the smaller stuff.
1: I love that. I feel like I feel like we're always looking for an easy out, but it's really important to remember that sometimes we're just got to do the hard yards to get there and that no matter how much money we spend there is no superhero powder that's going to you know transform us. <laughs> lastly would you mind sharing with us a little bit about how we can find you as well as where you work
0: yeah absolutely so well what I mentioned before was um I work um for a nutrition company um gut started which is just like an up and coming nutrition business aimed at essentially just doing nutrition a bit differently and and we look at nutrition and we look at food not just um i guess from a tunnel vision we look at it from a, a more holistic approach so we are really huge advocates of you know mental health and empowerment and community and changing behaviors and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's um who i work for um you can find gut started that we're on Instagram um it's just at gut started um you can find us there or we also have a website www.gut-started.com um I also have Instagram as well, which you can follow me. I just post a whole bunch of facts and stuff and you can see what I get up to and all that sort of stuff. Um, So mine is just Alice Bleethman underscore dietitian. And my last name is spelled B-L-E-A-T-H-M-A-N. So that's me. Um, But yeah, I'm basically just on Instagram. I started TikTok, but it was just too much effort. <laughs> don't even bother with that.
1: <laughs> oh, I really admire you for having given it a go though. Good on you, because I'm just like too
0: afraid to even go there. So no yeah. <laughs> one's step ahead well, of me. It's fun, but I just don't I can't commit like I just don't have time. <laughs> Leave it to the young kids. But
1: um, thank you, Alice. Thank you for putting up with my chaos today (laughs) and for coming on and chatting with us I really appreciate it I've learned so much and I feel like this is really important messaging for us all to learn so thank you
0: yeah no absolutely and thank you so much for doing this podcast I think it's really relevant to you know women our age and and people our age just you know to just have conversations and open conversations about stuff that you know no one really talks about so yeah good on you Georgina for doing such a such a, a positive thing
1: thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the wow i hope you enjoyed it if you did i recommend scrolling back through and checking out some of our other episodes maybe even our very very first one about balancing nutrition with nutritionist lulu kempton Otherwise, I release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe and tune in next week. Otherwise, you can follow us on Instagram at Wowpodcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a health professional first. Thanks, guys. Have a lovely week i yeah. yeah.